Hello, welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates for making today possible and our amazing Patreon supporters for helping us financially every month by contributing uh, whatever they feel comfortable with. They found value in the show. And if you get value out of the show and want to know how you can support us, you can go to PetSitterConfessional.com slash support. If you've been with us for the past few months, you know that we have been painting our house and we are still neck deep in that repainting process. Every room is going to get a fresh coat of paint and it has been a lot from just picking the colors to implementing the plan, realizing that we need to have caulk in places and scrape paint in other places. The taping and the prep work takes about three times as as long as we thought it was going to and (laughs) with the actual paint painting with the roller and the brush, it, it's taking a long time. Yeah, well, and, and, and with this, not just the prep work, but then there's also all of the, the tools, the things we've had to buy and accumulate through this. So we had to learn about rollers, learn about handles, learn about which kind of extension poles that we'd need. And we, we actually just had to buy yet another ladder so that we could <laughs> paint our staircase so our, our ladder collection continues to grow. Uh, the, the tools that we've bought have really allowed us to tackle this project with a lot of confidence. And then we can do the work not just quicker, but really well. I think it's important to note that buying a tool doesn't make you instantly an expert. By no means, um, I'm still really bad at painting. <laughs> you still have to learn how to use these things and use them, learn them well. But having good tools that are appropriate for the work that you're doing means that you're not fighting the tools to get the work done. And that's what's really important to understand, not just when you're painting a room, but also when you run your business, when you're doing things in life, is that having good, appropriate tools for you allows you to do the work more seamlessly because the tool becomes part of you. It becomes part of the process instead of a hindrance for you, which got us thinking a lot about the tools of a pet business owner. What do we have at our disposal? What do we need to be bringing on to make sure that we have the appropriate tools necessary to do our jobs really well and and make sure that we're not fighting with the things that we're using to do that. And so today we want to talk about behaviors and attitudes that we need as pet business owners to do our jobs well. These are foundational habits everyone will use at some point, and they're really places to build off of on your journey as a pet business owner. And so the first one is organization. If you are a business owner for any length of time, you know that you must be organized from taxes to scheduling and paying to bookkeeping and accounting and just booking for clients in general. You can either pick a software or you can do it old school with pen and paper or a mixture of both. But either way, it has to be organized because your clients will need to be have a smooth and seamless process. In order to do that, you as the owner need to be organized. Well, I, I think about this in the context of when we think about buying tools and bringing things on for a project, we think about what goes into the toolbox. But what organization actually is, is we have to take a moment to consider what the toolbox itself is. Because at the end of the day, if you're not organized, if you don't have a broader concept of what tools go where and how they're going to be used, that's where this organization comes in, you're not going to get the work done. Basically asking, is the toolbox itself, is the organizational system that you want to put in place, is it right for the work that we're doing and the way that we work. So like the tools that you always use, the hammer, the saw, the drill, those go on top. And then the ones that you use down below, 
are the ones that you don't use as much. Right. Well, and I was actually just in Lowe's, big surprise here, <laughs> again, see aforementioned painting process. And they have all of these insane toolboxes that are almost as complicated as, as flying a spaceship. And, and I, I know I don't need those toolboxes. It's the same thing in our businesses. There are softwares and systems out there that will basically make you breakfast if you want, but not everybody needs or wants those kind of things. So really understanding what is your business doing right now? How is it operating? Where do you want to go? And then ask yourself, what is your workflow in your business? Where are your pain points? So that when you go seeking for a solution, because I see a lot of people ask this, what's the best software? What's the best organizational system? What's the best process for this? You first have to ask how you operate and then go find things that either fit that or you can change to fit them if you think that's a better way of operating. But just sticking, gluing, and and trying to put organizational processes in and around you isn't going to work if that's not how you work. If you're truly a pen and paper kind of person, throwing, trying to throw everything in and make it digital, while that may seem appealing... If your brain needs to see things written out and outlined, if you need to see that physicality, having a purely electronic system will be detrimental to you and how you run your business. I think a lot of questions that we ask of others, we really need to internalize and first ask more questions of ourselves. It's not bad to ask you know, what software is the best or what task management system is the best. Is Asana really the best out there? Or is it Trello? Right. And so, or is Slack great or some other program? Is, is it Google Voice or is it Grasshopper? You know, these, these things aren't, these questions are not bad. It's just what do you ultimately at the end of the day need as a business owner? Because you know yourself best and nobody else, the people are just going to throw out recommendations. But then you need to go in and, and not necessarily just trust everybody's word, but go in and see if it actually fits you and your business. And that's really hard. That's a lot of hard work to know what. I need, you know, I, early on, about 10, 15 years ago, I came across somebody who his whole entire organizational system was using three by five note cards. That was his big thing of how he organizes life and wrote down notes. And I tried to emulate that, but I, I, I'm not organized enough <laughs> to not lose individual three by five cards. So I quickly realized, oh, they have to be bound together. Oh, I need a notebook. I can't, I need a notebook. I can't use loose leaf things. And then that went on in a different trajectory. So knowing these things and the habits and aspects about yourself is really going to drive where this organizational aspect comes from as you try and apply it to your business. I think a great way to stay organized is to block off time in your calendar. So every Tuesday at 11 a.m., I do this task. I do some part of my taxes or I go to yoga. It's a great way to make sure that you don't forget something, but also helps you understand how much of your time is committed to other things. So as you block off time, you can really see how constrained you are with prior commitments. And if it's a larger project like taxes, breaking up into small chunks and sprinkling it in an hour here, an hour there, an hour here. But I know it's hard because some people really don't like only doing small chunks of something and then moving on. I know there are people who like to try and get it all done in one sitting because it's very satisfying. And then they don't feel like they have all this mental burden of the remaining project out there. I feel like you're talking about me right now. (laughs) But also recognizing that there are some people who enjoy, you know, the chunks of 15 minutes every day. They're blocked off 15-minute chunks or an hour chunks or whatever. But there are other people like you (laughs) who... (laughs) 
don't enjoy their day being so segmented and that they enjoy more of the free time. But for the really important things, you need to get out your schedule and to block off time. So ultimately, you need to choose systems that work for you. And that's a process of learning and education and not just about yourself, but learning other things about running your business. And education really is probably one of the best tools, one of the best habits that you can equip yourself with. It's that knowledge aspect. And it really is a habit of learning, of habitually going and looking for new things to better yourself, how you run your company, and better how you interact with others. Yeah, the knowledge of running your business. So again, everybody's favorite topic, taxes. Hooray! (laughs) How to do them. What that looks like for you. Are you a sole prop? Are you an LLC, an S-corp? What are you? What does that mean? What are the tax implications? And how much can you write off versus what can you not write off? You know, setting up your business structure, that works for you. We're potentially looking at an S-corp, but then realizing that that's a lot more heavy-handed than we thought it was going to be. So maybe we hold off on that for another year so we can educate ourselves more about what exactly that looks like because it's not, it's, it's relatively easy to get into, but then there's a lot of upkeep and it's hard to get out of. And then there's also getting a website, getting a Google My Business, learning marketing tactics, all of the little intricate things that you may not realize when you start a pet sitting business, but then you get into it and you go, oh my gosh, there's this and this and this. And it's it's, it can be overwhelming, but knowing that you can take little steps and you don't have to know everything right off the bat, but it's the continual process of the education that will make you a better person, better business owner. I mean, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when we started, we didn't know hardly anything of what we know now. Less than zero, yes. <laughs> but but it's seeking out those resources. It's seeking out the, the trainings and the certifications and the podcasts and the books, you know, just general business books. If you can't find a pet sitting specific book, there are just general business books out there that will help you. Well, so there's the business aspect of this. And that's where I know many of us have a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of educating of our ourselves. So seeking out those good resources is critically important. But then there's the, the the knowledge of learning more about the pet care side of things. A lot, Most of us enter into the industry with a passion for pets, but we don't know a lot of actually how to take care of them and the intricacies and the specificities around breeds or different diseases or different medications. So then we can go on and go, okay, now I need to learn more about the latest practices here. I need to learn what fear-free is. I need to learn how to pill a cat, not just one way, but probably five different ways I can build a cat. What does walking a dog safely mean? I tried to describe that to a barista the other day, and they were blown away by all the aspects that we think about and how we approach those. Another aspect of this is learning to ask good questions during and specific, really, before a meet and greet so that you have more on hand and can really parse through what that person is asking you. All of those aspects, just like when learning about a business, those come with a little bit of time, but those come with us exposing ourselves to new ideas and new topics so that we can better ourselves in that particular area. And then there's the people aspect, the customer service of this. Again, we serve pets, but we ultimately serve their owners. And it's so it's something that often gets overlooked and many people don't really think that it's necessary, the customer side of this, because we get into it because we want to do 
puppy cuddles and kitty kisses all day. But it's learning how to talk to a potential client or even an existing client if you're going through something tough with them right now. If you've increased your prices or they come to you and say, I need to decrease the amount of services I have, or they are struggling with something in their personal life and they've come to you and it, it kind of burdens you with this. You know, we, we have, we need to be empathetic to our clients and potential clients. We also need to be tactful with them and know how to talk to them. And have good boundaries. It's educating how do, what do, what's going to work for me with my boundary line for how personal is too personal to get involved with the client for how much they're going to share with me before I need to step away, before I know whether I can take on that mental burden of that hardship that they're going through. We have to educate ourselves and about, learn more about ourselves for what we can take on and then go and go, okay, what, what, how do I need to phrase these things to talk to potential clients or existing clients with their problems or concerns that they have? FetchFind is a great resource for continuing education. They've got a whole ton of videos and webinars on there from dog behavior, training, feline fundamentals, all of these great aspects of what being a pet care provider means. Yeah. So if you are either new to the industry or maybe you haven't looked at information in a while, finding a course, whether it's through FetchFind, whether it's through somebody else, YouTube videos, I know there are a lot of channels out there as well, attending a conference, listening to podcasts, reading books, do something a little bit every day that's going to help educate you on something that you didn't know the day before. Part of running your business is knowing that you need insurance. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And that's why Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Because you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote at petsitllc.com. You can and get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and use the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. Another great habit of a pet business owner is communication. And we all know, but this is critical because it connects us with clients and potential clients. And it's not just the way that we connect, but how we connect as well, you know, through texting, phone calls, social media, blogging, emails, software, all of that good stuff. It each has their own place and each are good for community communicating certain things and not others. Yeah, communicating very complex, detail-oriented things, not really the best place for a a text message uh, or sensitive conversations to have where you do have personal things coming or there is sensitive information that you need to share. Maybe that's not a social media post, but that is an excellent phone call that you need to have. Whatever way you do, making sure you understand what's the appropriate channel that I need to use to share this information and to whom am I sharing that with. Because how you operate your business is going to determine the channels you communicate through. Maybe you don't even do blogs at all. So you are going to use your email list for something else. Or if you don't do that at all, you're going to have much longer Instagram posts or Facebook posts on your social media and understanding what are the limitations that that gives you or what what advantages do you have in connecting with your audience. And so with that communication, we have to work on honing our marketing. I feel like we talk about this all the time, but knowing (laughs) who you're talking to, what you're talking to them about, what problems you're solving, you know, it's your marketing messaging. And then it's really one of the most powerful tools to keep your business running because you want to connect with 
a new audience basically every time. New people coming in the door, knowing now who you are and trying to target those people in a different way. We had somebody reach out to us today who's been following us for several months, and I had made a cat post basically saying not every cat is super friendly, and a lot of them take time to warm up, and we take the time and and provide different activities and different ways of going about building trust. And he had commented on the post saying, wow, I... I love this. I'm going to, you know, sign up and start using you guys. And it was a little, I was taken aback because I had seen him like many of our posts over the past few months. But for some reason, the the words that we used in the post really spoke to him today. And so he felt the need to finally say, yes, okay, we, we bridged the gap between <laughs> the problem that he had and the solution that we offer. Recognizing that people are going to have a certain threshold that you need to meet. And sometimes you you don't mean it because they don't see what they're looking for. And that's that trial and error process of really going, to whom am I communicating with right now? When we talk about marketing, we talk about all this stuff, you're, you're having a conversation with somebody. It's a one-sided conversation until they reach back out to you. That's exactly what happened today with our post. We were having a one-sided conversation of telling people about who we are and how we operate and how we can help. Somebody responded. Now we can have a two-way conversation moving forward with that person. But what you put out there to start, think of that as starting the conversation. You're starting a conversation with somebody new. How would you do that? What kind of words would you use? What kind of language would you craft to start a conversation with somebody? And they only typically respond by booking your services or reaching out more inquiries about more information about your business. But really just boiling everything down to I'm communicating with my messaging. I'm communicating with my existing clients, with my potential clients. I'm communicating with my staff if I have them. I'm communicating with everybody in my little world around me. And I, I need to make sure that we do that well and represent our business well throughout um, you know, every day. But that's why social media is so important and, and so critical, really, to the survivability of your business. Because anybody can post cute dogs and cute cats all day, but it's what do you put in the caption? What do you put in the messaging behind it? If you do blogs, what are you saying in your blogs? Because it really is about connecting. And I think we're going to do another episode on exactly how to craft strong social media messages and really connect with people that you need to be getting in front of. Well, yeah, because remembering at the end of the day, what you choose to post, whether those are videos, whether it's photos, whether it's text, whether it's something edited or whatever, whatever you choose to post will determine the client's that are either attracted or repelled about your company and to you. For communicating your marketing message well, I would look at what other industries are doing and how they are implementing marketing frameworks like the story brand framework. It can be very easily molded into any type of industry. And so what that really is, is having your potential client be the hero of the story and at you as the guide, guiding them and helping them solve the problem that they have. And whether it's marketing or just getting better at communicating well during a meet and greet to existing clients or people that you see on the street, it all comes down to practice. 
practicing not just your talking points, but how you are going to communicate. Where do you put your hands? How do you stand? Are you going to look at somebody in the eyes? You're going to look at them in the forehead. What kind of tone of voice are you going to try and use? What's your style? And well, how is that going to fit with you personally? That's where all this comes from at the end of the day. Communication, marketing, whether that's directly on social media or to people that you see is how are you going to do that? And just practicing some of those things will really help you feel a lot more comfortable in those situations. Another essential characteristic of a thriving pet business owner is boundaries, setting them, keeping them, having them. (laughs) Really everything about them. When it comes to this business, it is so personal. It does suck up all of your time, attention, energy, and focus, whether that is being worried about pets, whether that is stressing about a schedule, or whether that is having to deal with problems that clients bring to you. There's the emotional side of as well of the, the clients may come to you with their personal burdens or with their struggles, with their things that they are walking through and dealing with, and they can talk to you about that. Well, you are taking on that burden that you, know, you have to figure out what to do with. Then there are the clients who are contacting you at all hours of the day, night, and everything in between, demanding more of your attention. Nothing really from, from a nefarious reason, but because they want help and they need it right now. And you have to understand that time that you have for yourself truly is sacred to you. It protects you from being burned out and, and overworked. Yeah. At some point, you can no longer trade time for money. There, there is just not enough time in the day. Which is a good point to remember that even though we may try and raise our prices continually to try and claw back time to limit the amount of people seeking after our services, if you are quality enough, if you are in demand enough, it doesn't matter how much you charge, people will still demand more of your time. Whether they're paying $100 an hour or $10 an hour, some kind of clients will just want more of you. Which can be hard to do if you want to grow and scale your business to add staff and still, you know, maintaining those boundaries, making sure that your staff have proper boundaries within your business as well, because you don't want them to work 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week and burn out themselves. So it is really important, no matter who is in your business, who's in your company, for them to have boundaries. And I think that's the single best thing you can do for your business, Megan, right there of setting office hours hours that you will and you will not communicate with people who reach out to you. And this can be maddening when it's six o'clock at night, it's 6.01, right? And your office hours ended at six and somebody texts you with a question about your services to be staring at your phone going, well, it's only 6.01, right? But we all know where this goes is suddenly it's 8.30 at night and you're still having a conversation with this person or you find something else to distract you and you bring your your attention to you. So now going at six is the hard out or whatever that time is for you that's going to work for your business and the way you work. We always talk about boundaries in terms of time and making sure that your time is your own and your company is not and your clients are not running your business. But there's also, you know, spatial boundaries in terms of making sure that you separate a little bit. Making sure that you try to separate your personal from your business because we are intricately linked and ultimately there's not going to be 100% separation, but making sure that you are enjoying hobbies, doing other things outside of the business so that your business is not all consuming you. The last strong behavior that we really want to talk about for pet business owners is community. And I really think it is very much underutilized. By far. Yeah. (laughs) And it's really because we're so busy. We're doing visits from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we still have to do all the little intricate details of our businesses from the taxes, the scheduling, all of that. And have a personal life, too, and see family and friends. And let's not Let's not forget that 
meeting new people can be awkward. It can be weird. It can be scary. It, it's putting ourselves out there as being vulnerable. Especially for introverts like me. Exactly. It's, it's not fun. So it's great to have a partner come along and kind of help you through that process. But it is it is so powerful building community and reaching out to others to to have that. Because, but, but, but first, as you said, it, it can be hard to do that. So you have to first want to have this as a part of your business, as a part of your personal life as well. Reaching out to others, joining a network of local sitters, things like that are going to first are going to help you feel not just like you are seen, uh, but it's also a great way to bounce off ideas for when you're struggling or working with something. I really love the way a lot, when you get connected with uh, realtors, they have really super tight knit local groups of realtors who are sharing information, they're strategizing about the economy, they're forecasting together, they're doing all of these things, they're doing team building, they're doing educational things, they're doing out, you know, involving themselves in the broader community. And they, they really see each other as resources to assist each other and and really pour a lot into one another in that way. While putting yourself out there in the community is hard, especially for introverts, it, the the opportunities really are endless from going and walking dogs at the shelter to hosting a pet loss memorial event to hosting a client appreciation meeting, you know, for a couple hours. <laughs> it, 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 there are so many possibilities, so many pet friendly things that you can do. I think it's, again, while it's hard, it's also easy at the same time to come up with these ideas. Or even if it's not something that you want to do of, of hosting an event or pay, taking part in an event, find a fundraiser where you can give a, a $50 gift certificate for your services to help raise money for a certain cause. That's being a part of your community. You, you're not up there leading the charge or doing these things or running the event or anything like that, but you are building towards something bigger than beyond yourself just for that. And that's, that's those are local things. And then I tying a little bit into some of the education and other things we've talked about today, there's also a big part of community is attending a conference. Uh, you know, Texas Pet Sitters Conference just wrapped this past weekend. It looks like it was an amazing time. I know NAPS, uh, we are packing our bags right now to go to New Orleans to uh, give it, deliver a talk and, and meet everybody there. And PSI has conferences coming up as well. There are opportunities to go and get both community and education. And by far and away, when you talk to people who go to conferences, it's the community aspect where people are seeking that out. They go, you know, I've, I may know this thing or, oh, I really like this speaker, but man, seeing my friends once, twice a year, seeing these people and getting connected with them again is, is, is priceless for me and really helps me be better. You need a cheerleader in your corner or 10 of them. <laughs> you need to be connected to others going through this crazy thing called running a pet care business. So it may not be, you know, in your local community, but you may have national pet sitter friends or a national network of others. These are just some of the habits that make a thriving pet business owner. If you have other ones that you know of or you implement in your business, we'd love to hear them. You can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. Thank you so much to today's sponsor, Pet Sitters Associates, and our wonderful Patreons for making today's show possible. Again, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to petsitterconfessional.com slash support to learn all of the ways that you can support the show. And we will talk with you next time. Bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.